Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and welcome to the second of our special Together for the Gospel editions of the podcast. Last time we talked with Jeremy Scott on my way up, and now this edition I'm going to be airing some really short and quick interviews with some people that I ran into there at T4G. Uh, we're talking folks like Barnabas Piper, Jonathan Lehman, bigger names, but also a few names that you might be familiar, like Jess Miller has been a, is a pastor and been a guest on the podcast, and some other folks that I really hope you'll get to know. Dr. Dave Jaspers is a pastor in Illinois, as, lo- as well as Pastor Greg Linscott, and some other folks I hope will be back to be on the podcast in the future. And so I, I hope you'll enjoy these really just quick, choppy interviews. Oh, I, I forgot to mention uh, Dr. Don Whitney has, has been on. He's a professor there at Southern, the author of the book uh, concerning spiritual disciplines and prayer. So I really hope you're going to enjoy this. Uh, these are just, again, just short, quick snippets, me walking around with my cell phone. But I, I think you'll enjoy what we're going to listen to. And I want to remind you about our contest. Yes, our contest. I am giving away several books, including The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul, generously donated by the fine folks at Ligonier Ministry, and uh, Doctrinal Devotion from the folks at The Gospel Project, The New City Catechism by Tim Keller, uh, books by C.J. Mahaney, Al Moeller, and I'm uh, oh, yes, another book by David Platt. So these are books you're, you're going to want to get. And to do that, all you have to do is share via social media one of these special uh, T4G editions of the podcast with the hashtag BasicBibleT4G. So BasicBibleT4G, put that on the hashtag, and you'll be all set to enter. Every time you share it, every time you use that hashtag, you'll be entered one more time. And one other detail I'm just adding right now is that if you rate us on iTunes, you'll get two entries. Two entries if you rate us on iTunes. And so then this weekend, I'll basically put all of these entries into a hat. And on Facebook Live, we will pick the winners of who gets what resource. And then I'll contact you about uh, sending that your way. So don't forget, hashtag basic Bible T4G. All right, so let's uh, let's listen in on some of these interviews. All right, I'm here with Barnabas Piper from the Happy Rant. And uh, Barnabas, I want to know, how does it feel each week to go up against the Basic Bible Podcast as your top competitor? As my top competitor. Um, this is the first I'm aware of this <laughs> top competition. We, we've been trying to take down other podcasts, so now I feel like maybe I've been uh, been aiming my, my efforts in the wrong way, and I feel slightly threatened. <laughs> Thanks. Pastor Jess Miller here back on the podcast. So Jess, since you were a previous guest on the podcast, how has that changed your life completely? It has completely changed my life uh, for the worse, actually. I, uh, I've had to have some therapy, some counseling from our uh, podcast, our time together. And so, uh, but the Lord's bringing me through it. He's faithful. Well, our podcast can be very overwhelming. The spiritual degree, the enrichment, uh, not everyone can handle. And so those weak in the faith might have struggles. But That's probably true. I'm That's glad, what my counselor's working. I'm glad you're working through it. Yeah. Okay, I'm here with Greg Linscott, who is the pastor at the Brown Street Baptist Church in Alton, Illinois. Now, Greg, you just took that church how long ago? Uh, middle of January. Middle of January. So... 
just a couple months. So my question for you then is, what advice do you give to the church member who is receiving a new pastor? Um, give him some room to breathe. Don't expect too much change too quickly. On the other hand, don't be surprised if there are some changes that happen quicker than you expect. Just be ready to adjust. There's going to be growing pains. There's going to be things that, if all if all parties have to look at it again, they probably would have done differently. But sometimes things you're not going to be able to figure out until it actually happens. It happens in the heat of the moment. So be ready, be flexible, and be forgiving. The bigger question is, why haven't you been on the podcast before? Is there some sort of hatred toward me personally or toward our audience? Um, the, as a Maine guy to a Massachusetts guy, we just think you guys are crazy drivers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Greg. Thanks, Ted. What podcast are you in? Basic Bible Podcast. Okay. You've never heard of it. <laughs> But, yeah. all right, I'm here with Jeremy Pelton mm-hmm. uh, from Southern Seminary. And so, Jeremy, tell us, why should, why should someone consider Southern over, I mean, there's a lot of good seminaries out there. Mm-hmm. What's the distinctiveness about Southern? Yeah, yeah, a lot of, lot of really good seminaries. I think when you think about just the perspective of working for 40 years of ministry, you're going to need to dig a really deep well of theological knowledge that's going to last that 40 years mm-hmm. of ministry. You know, you think about doctors and psychologists and teachers, they have to get relicensed yep. every few years. Pastors don't do that. So pastors have to learn everything right off the bat through seminary or life experience or a combination of all those things. And Southern Seminary, I think, has the most robust and holistic degree path to do that in our 88-hour MDiv. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but we have the faculty that I think kind of sets us apart. Now, Dr. Muller is quoted saying we have the best faculty in evangelicalism yeah. today. Uh, I do think that it's extremely strong. We like to say if you come to Southern, you study with the authors. Yeah. Uh, we'll have people, even uh, from other schools, be in classes with textbooks written by our faculty. So we say, well, just come study with those guys. Mm. So not only that, but we think, we think scholarship is important. We think the rigor of your training is important. But we also think the pastoral perspective is yeah. incredibly important. And so you can write and research and read the Bible all you want. But if it doesn't bring you closer to Christ at the end of the day, then what good is it? Yeah. And all the faculty, I think, do a really good job of in integrating that perspective in their classrooms. Now, a lot of that comes from them being pastors themselves, yeah. so in addition to scholars. So where can, they, where, where can we learn more? Yeah, so sbts.edu, that's our initials. Uh, if you want to apply, you can go to backslash apply or just click on admissions when you get there. And you can watch videos, read about faculty, and learn how to contact admissions. All right, final question. Yeah. More of an opinion question. Yeah. But if enough listeners actually enrolled in Southern, do you think Dr. Moeller would take a selfie with me? <laughs> it, uh, yes. Okay. I, I think that may happen. All yeah. right. And, we'll see. Yeah. And people can take selfies with him if they come visit campus for preview day. We have one of those awesome. every semester. So. All right. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, man. I'm here with evangelist Aaron Coffey. Aaron, what have you gleaned from the conference so far? Um, What's well, the takeaway? Well, it's been great to uh, it's great to uh, see the true church uniting around um, what's most important, yeah. um, which is the gospel. But you can't. I, I love today the focus and, and really the the whole conference. Um, you can't you can't separate the gospel from the holiness of God and really our 
our duty to pursue holiness in our own lives as really a, an outflow of the gospel in our lives mm -hmm. and the truth of, of, of what God's come to do. He didn't just come to change our final destination. He came to change who we are. Right. And um, so it's just been a, it's been awesome. And to see so many people, um, you know, uh, affirming this, singing about this, in agreement about this, it's just a blessing. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm at the Westminster Theological Seminary booth, and I'm here with the Director of Admissions. And my simple question is, why Westminster? There's a lot of good Reformed seminaries out there. Uh, what, what makes Westminster different? Well, one way I can articulate uh, of how Westminster is different is the integration of the curriculum, so all the classes will agree with each other. But not only the integration of the curriculum, but the structure of the curriculum, such that it's thoroughly reformed, not only in its conclusions, but in its methodology. And what we mean by that is that, for instance, in order to do biblical studies, you would need to know Greek and Hebrew. But at Westminster, we'd also say, you need to know Greek and Hebrew in order to study biblical studies and systematic theology and apologetics. Now, why is that the case? Well, learning the original languages to inform the rest of the disciplines gets the student to be as close to the revealed Word of God as possible as it prepares them for ministry. And why that's important is because we think that all of those disciplines structured that way equals a robust and rich practical theology. In other words, an exegetically non-speculative methodology that informs these disciplines equals a type of practical theology that really takes care of sin and suffering at the core with the solution, which is God's Word, um, proclaimed and preached and counseled rightly. And that means that at the end of the day, we want the student uh, of Westminster to leave being the type of pastor or minister or counselor where their personality decreases and the rich, full, perspicuous Word of God increases as they speak and proclaim and counsel and love their neighbor. And so we think a, a curriculum that is built that way honors Christ in that way. And so that's, that's one way to put the distinctness of Westminster. Where can my listeners learn more? At uh, wts.edu is our website, and we would invite students to come on there and uh, uh, inquire for information, and our admissions counselors will get a hold of you and treat you like gold, tell you everything that you want to learn about, come and visit, help you, help you visit by uh, helping take care of some of the travel costs to come and visit, and make sure that the... The only difficult thing about Westminster when it comes to relocating or applying or getting financial aid, we want to make all that easy so that the only difficult thing about Westminster is appropriately the coursework. Right. And so that's, uh, that's our goal in the admissions office. All right, last question. If enough of my listeners enroll, what are the chances of me getting an honorary doctorate? <laughs> uh, that has to go through a lot of different... Uh, All sorry, right. meetings and, and red tape, so the the chances are, are slim. Okay, but they should I'm... probably consider it anyway. That's right, right. they should probably Thank consider you. it anyway. Thanks. Thank you. I'm here with Jonathan Liebman from Nine Marks. Can you tell us just a little bit about your new book, How the Nations Reach? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, How the Nations Rage, Rethinking Faith and Politics for a Divided Age, the full title, uh, grew out of a Sunday school class that I did at Capitol Hill Baptist Church, which means it's very much directed at average church members. It's responding to the present moment where we're feeling a lot of tension, not just between us and, say, non-Christian culture. We're feeling these tensions and divisions inside of our churches. And how do we get together at the Lord's table with people who vote? You voted for who? How could you have done that? And now I'm taking the Lord's Supper with you? You know, it's that sort of um, two big ideas to the book, you might say. Uh, Number one, Christians got to learn how to be before they do, right? So don't, you know, Paul says, you who preach against stealing, do you steal? Well, I want to say, okay, you who who seek a pro-life, do you care for the single women and your single mothers in your church? You who, you who care about welfare, are you, are you giving to the local and the needy people in your church? In other words, where the true politics needs to happen first and foremost is in the life of our churches. True righteousness, true justice, true love needs to start at home, right? Be before you do. And then our engagement in the public square should be a, a, a spilling over and out into that. Okay, that's the first big idea. The second big idea in the church is, okay, what is that public square? Uh, I call it a battleground of gods. In other words, secularism wants to tell us today, hey, leave your religion at home. The public square is a neutral space. I'm saying there's no such thing as a neutral space. In the public square, I bring my God, you bring your God, whether your name is, whether you're you're a secularist, an atheist, a Muslim, a Hindu, a, a Christian. We all go into the public square representing our fundamental views of the universe and God and morality. You can't divorce yourself from it. The public square is about a God of God. And so what I'm saying about when you go into the public square, you've got to recognize that uh, and engage in that, in that way. Uh, now, I am not, uh, certainly I'm affirming the separation of church and state. Yep. That, that, that is biblical. That's a Baptist distinction. Uh, the church has one authority, the state has another authority. And we are not called to prosecute false religion. I believe in religious freedom. Nonetheless, I'm saying what happens in the public square is, is my God against your God. Right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, I Paul. appreciate it. All right, I'm here with Pastor Dave Jaspers. Pastor Jasper, we were just talking about biblical interpretation, and what do you think are some common mistakes that your average, I hate to use the term layman, uses when when approaching scripture either devotionally or for more of a deeper study? Well, I think probably the number one mistake we make in reading our Bibles is is that we we want to read the Bible as if it was written directly to us. Yeah. Okay. And in fact, when I say it that way, there are some people that raise their eyebrows. It's like, what, you mean the Bible wasn't written to me? Well, actually, it was not. I'm not 2,000 years old. There are sections of the Bible that were written 3,500 years ago. I'm not that old. Yeah. So I have to acknowledge that the Bible was not originally written to me. Right. But it was written for me. Yeah. And that's why God has it in a written-down format, and then God has preserved his word for us and then has allowed through multiple translations that we have an amazing access to God's word. So... One of the biggest mistakes that people make in trying to read their Bible is, is that they read it thinking, okay, what is this saying to me? They forget that the original audience is the key to understanding, knowing how, how does this speak to me? So what I try to teach our people is, is that as you read the Word, take time to just pause and think about who wrote this, to whom did he write it, why did he write it, when did he write it, how would they have understood these words? Um, how did they respond to what's written? Then, then we let that response inform us as to then how we should respond to God's word. Now, it's a little more work to do that. Yeah. 
So instead of taking the direct route, I, I remember way back 45 years ago when I was in Bible college, in my dormitory, I'd see guys with their Bibles open and they're reading the Psalms or they're reading Proverbs or or they're reading somewhere and, oh, is this me? Is this me? Yeah. You know? Or people will read, like, one of the most challenging passages in the Bible is in the book of Matthew, the Olivet Discourse. Yeah. And they'll read that, and there's language there that has to do with, with great tribulation and great problems. And, oh, that's speaking in the book of Revelation. No. That's talking yeah. about what happened in 70 A.D. Right. when the Roman Emperor Titus came in and destroyed Jerusalem. But because people just jump onto key words, yeah. they think they know what it's saying. They don't do the, the hard work yeah. of taking the time to go back and say, now, wait a minute. Who wrote this? Why did he write it? Right. When was it written? How did these people understand it? And how did they respond? Then the question I ask myself is, so what would that response look like today? But that ruins a lot of my favorite Bible passages. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I remember, uh, I don't know, 12 years ago, I I read D.A. Carson's, it's called Exegetical Fallacies. I saw the book here at the conference. And uh, I forget 30, I think there are like 30 different mistakes people make in preaching the Bible and as I read it I got so convicted because I think I made all yeah. of those yeah. yeah okay just you, you you assume you know what it's saying and and then you, you jump on that assumption right. which leads me sorry this is kind of a long answer but which leads no. me to a second mistake that people make and that is we have this temptation to impress our framework on the word of God and, yeah. and make it say what we think it's supposed yeah. to say instead of letting the word of God form my framework right all of us have a framework. Okay, I was raised in a Christian family. My parents taught me how to think critically. They taught me how to look at things through the lens and the grid of God's word. But even that framework has some flaws in it. Okay, so I constantly should submit my framework to the word of God. Let God's word inform my framework and change my framework instead of me taking my framework to the Bible and saying, "Well, it has to mean this." Yeah, I. I've been shocked at times in, in Wednesday night Bible studies where we really open it up and let people discuss things of, of how many times people argue and they'll say, but, but I need the Bible to say yeah. whatever, okay? Some of your favorite subjects like alcohol or, or some of the amusements that I was raised up being taught that they were worldly and sinful and then begin to wonder, is that really the case? Right. So you start talking about those things and people will pull out their pet yeah. you know, verse proof text um, but when you get back to it, that's not what the Bible's actually right, saying. Exactly. So I have to, I have to be humble enough, and that's hard for me. I have to be humble enough to let the Word of God form my framework rather than me take my framework and impress it on God's word. And then, last thing I'll say is that too often we tend to read the Bible as sixty-six separate books. Yeah. I remember I was taught as a kid thirty-nine books in the Old Testament, twenty-seven books in the New Testament. And it's, it's like a library of books. No, no, yeah. no. It is one story. Right. It is all the story of God's redemptive purpose. Yeah. And as I read any book in the Bible, wherever I am, one of the things I do is I stop and I ask myself, so where am I right now in this book? Yeah. Where am I in the big story? Yeah. Okay. What is it teaching me about that big story? And then how does this particular book or passage advance that story? Right. And that's been... One of the most joyful yeah. things in reading my Bible and trying to properly interpret my yeah, Bible. Studying biblical theology to me just transformed my whole way of approaching Scripture. Yeah. And was, now everything is in the context of the grand meta narrative of exactly, redemption. Exactly. Grand meta narrative, that's a good term. So I was actually trained anti biblical theology. Right. 
Okay. I was trained in a very, very strong dispensational yeah. pattern. So you chop the Bible up into seven different economies, right. and they're not supposed to touch each other. And while there are a few hermeneutic issues out of dispensationalism that I cherish and, and utilize, yeah. there's a lot of it I frankly have had to unlearn. But biblical theology has been a an opening in my understanding and my love for the Word of God has just grown exponentially because of that. Yeah. So those are just a few things that the Lord has been teaching me just in how I read my Bible. And it has made reading my Bible a great joy. Well, thank you for taking the time with us. Dr. Whitney, big theological question for you. What does one need to look for in a good fountain pen? Well, the most important thing is how it writes. Not how it looks, but how it writes. And you can't find out how it writes without testing it. So the protocol in most shops is uh, to dip it. They'll put out a bottle of ink. You can dip it. It's like buying a car. They wouldn't expect you to drive a car without buying it. They would expect you to buy a pen without trying it. But you can't put ink inside. Now it's considered used. We're going to say it's been inked. So that you dip it and you try it and you get some idea that way. And if you don't buy it, they can clean the nib. And So you want to know how does it write. That's more important than how it looks or anything else. Awesome. Thank you. All right, well, those are our interviews, and I hope you enjoyed them. I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed talking to some of these guys, and it was great, and it was fun. As Again, we, we were, we're jettisoning our normal format, but I do want to stick with one thing, the recommended resources. You heard two. You heard Dr. Jaspers talk about the book Exegetical Fallacies by D.A. Carson. You do want to read that. If you are a preacher or a studier, a studier a, one who studied God's Word, You'll want to read this. It's really helpful. That's Exegetical Fallacies. And then the new book out by Jonathan, Lehman's, uh, Jonathan Lehman of Nine Marks Ministry. Uh, you might hear him on the Pastor Talks uh, podcast with Mark Dever. And that is the book, How the Nations Rage, Rethinking Faith and Politics in a Divided Age. It really looks interesting. I have not read this book yet. Um, but I'm sure it looks great, and I've, I've, I've got mine coming on the way. It's already ordered, so you'll want to do that. All right, don't forget, hashtag BasicBibleT4G, and rate us on iTunes, and you'll get two entries into our contest, but you've got to do that by, uh, I'll be picking names Saturday, so you'll want to do that before then, so don't forget about that. All right, so on Friday, we will have our final segment uh, a discussion between three different pastors and myself about just wrapping up the conference, what was good, what was bad, and we kind of continue that whole talk on celebrity pastors that we started on the first episode. Well, until the next time, have a great rest of your week.